Welcome to In the Wake with Whitney. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. All right, I am here with one of my very best friends, Spencer Rogers. A little introduction, Spencer is my uncle, but I joke that he's more like my big brother. He's closer in age to me than he is with my dad. We have five years between us when my dad has 17 years between them. So really, Spencer and I grew up together. One time I even convinced a childhood friend of mine that he really was my older brother (laughs) and she believed me. Anyway, Spencer is so talented. I'll let him tell you guys a bit more about him, but I'm not joking when I say he's good at everything he picks up and tries. He's super intelligent, incredibly creative and artistic, and the most gentle person I have met. Spence has seen every phase of mine and he's still by my side, so that's saying something. He comes to me for hair, clothing, and girl advice, and in exchange, I get some dang good music. And on top of that, Spencer and I often talk about the things we are passionate about, like mental health, the stigmas of mental illness, feminism, and most recently, toxic masculinity. So that's what we're going to focus on today. So hi, Spence. (laughs) How are you? Pretty good. Good. I'm glad you're here with us. So... What's your story? Who are you? Um, yeah, Whitley just kind of said I'm her obviously favorite uncle. <laughs> She's the uh, oldest niece of my soon-to-be 21 nieces and nephews. So yeah, she kind of said that her, her dad's quite a bit older than I am, but I think that really gave us a, a special bond growing up. Like she said, we've always been really close friends, talked about everything. She really you know, helps me out with any sort of questions I have. We both have curly hair. So, yeah, we, we exchange tips for that a lot, which is really fun. But, um, yeah, kind of who I am. I live in Provo, Utah currently. I graduated from college. I work for a cancer drug research company. Um, but aside from that, like Whitley said, I have recently, I guess, like in the last couple of years, decided to explore a lot more of my creativity. I enjoy watercoloring. Um, I do a little bit of silversmithing, making jewelry. If you ever see Whitley in person, she's always sporting my rings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I've just become a very, very passionate about mental health issues and concerns because I've struggled with those in my life. And I've seen the stigma that's been built up with in society um, about these different issues. So when Whitley decided to start her podcast, I was very excited about it, very supportive, because there, these are things that I feel like need to be talked about. Um, in order to to change how society sees them and deals with them. So that's what we're going to do today. Yes. Awesome. So can you explain what toxic masculinity is for anyone that doesn't really know or understand? Absolutely. So 
Um, I think honestly, like I was like, I'm trying to like struggle or I'm struggling with finding a good definition for toxic masculinity. So I just like Googled it. Wikipedia, I think this has like <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is a great resource. I know like your teachers in high school or whatever bag on it, but it's great. So just like their opening paragraph, I'm gonna read that it says in psychology, toxic masculinity refers to traditional cultural masculine norms that can be harmful to men, women, and society overall. This concept of toxic masculinity is not intended to demonize men or male attributes, but rather emphasize the harmful effects of conformity to certain traditional masculine ideal behaviors such as dominance, self-reliance, and competition. Toxic masculinity is thus defined by adherence to traditional male gender roles that restrict the kinds of emotions allowable for boys and men to express, including societal expectations that men seek to be dominant or like the alpha male and limit their their emotional range primarily to to expressions of anger. Um, So yeah, that kind of, you know, just summarizes that toxic masculinity is this idea that anything that's like less than what the like traditional um, cultural idea of a man is, is seen as weak or inferior. And I feel like at least in society, it's been talked a lot about how that affects women, um, specifically with like reference to domestic abuse and different issues in that way. Um, But kind of what I wanted to talk about more today is how that's affected me in my life and how it affects, you know, men also, along with women, these different ideals that are seen as toxic. Yes, that's really great. So I was also curious about how you're going to answer this question. And I Googled the definition of toxic masculinity. (laughs) And so I like how tolerance.org explained it. Toxic masculinity is a narrow and repressive description of manhood, designating manhood as defined by violence, sex, status, and aggression. It's the cultural idea of manliness where strength is everything while emotions are a weakness, where sex and brutality are yardsticks by which men are measured while supposedly feminine traits, which can range from emotional vulnerability to simply not being hypersexual, are the means by which your status status as man can be taken away. So I, I think both of those definitions wrap it up in a nutshell. Mine is more towards the domestic violence aspect of it, I think. Um, so why are people like us working to break toxic masculinity? Like, why is it harmful in society and in raising boys? Specifically, I feel like it is just very <laughs> hindering in like development of who a person is. Um, You know, if you are raising boys or your children and they only have this idea of this is what a true man is, if they're not conforming to that, they're going to feel less than inferior um, and it can cause, you know, a lot of different mental health issues with that. Or it might push them to become what they see as this traditionally masculine figure in their minds and kind of what Woodley said, turn more towards like aggression and like hypersexuality and different things like that that can lead to negative behaviors and ideas. Yeah, that's, I couldn't have said it any better. So how have you been affected by toxic masculinity? So, um, I mean, I grew up with four older brothers and I grew up on like a farm, kind of like in farm culture also. Um, like my high school, you know, like people were wearing like wranglers and cowboy boots and stuff (laughs) like that to school. I never got into that. Um, I'm glad. (laughs) 
Yeah, never owned a pair of Wranglers, unfortunately. No, no, it's fine. Um, So I feel like this idea was very prevalent in my upbringing. Luckily, though, I never felt that from my family or my older brothers. Um, I guess just kind of give a little bit more of my background. Like I said, like, I feel like I've never been like this traditional idea of what a man really, I guess, like, yeah, this toxic masculinity idea of what a man is. Um, Like, I've never been into sports or anything. I've never, you know, been into fighting. Like when I was a child, like my family still like jokes about it or whatever, but I was just very emotional, you know, like, I would cry a lot if, like, I felt things, like, they were there. Yeah. Um, But I think, like I said, my family, I don't think ever pushed me towards, like, this negative or this bad idea of masculinity. I think they were very supportive in showing me and allowing me to be who I am. Um, But through school and society, I learned different things, you know, like once I'm in elementary school and making friends and stuff like, you know, if you get hurt and you cry on the playground, like you're seen as like, you know, being a baby, you're seen as Mm -hmm. being made fun of for expressing, I guess, having these feelings that aren't seen as traditionally masculine. And specifically, you know, like if you, I remember like in second and third grade or whatever, if you were friends with a girl or anything like that, that was seen as weird. Like you were seen as, <laughs> you know, not like the, all the other boys or whatever, because mm-hmm. you had these, you know, ideas or whatever, these friendships that weren't something that was traditional. And so I grew up with that and kind of fighting against that because I mean, like ever since I was little, one of my best friends, like ever since I think she moved in and was my neighbor, like past two years or something. Um, and we spent like all day together but then once like kindergarten and like first grade came around like our friendship started to go a little bit more away because of like these societal norms that we have that at least like in my mind like the other boys that I was friends with in school like didn't I don't know I don't know if I was like made fun of or like for having a friend who was a girl but it just didn't seem like the normal thing to do like they wouldn't accept you mm. or be friends with you if you chose to be friends with a girl right. kind of thing yeah okay yeah and like if you make those different associations that aren't part of like the traditional masculine sense then you kind of become like an outcast in a sense mm-hmm. and so that's kind of just been like my story my whole life like I've been able to be friends with like girls throughout like some of my best friends have been that and I mean I've had a lot of guy friends too but because of that I have had like a lot of like headbutting or backlash because of it. And I think a lot of the times, like it's nothing like super direct. I feel like people were never like straight up just like bullying me or like making fun of me for having these different um, actions or ideals in my life. But it's just kind of like an underlying cultural sense that sometimes affects that. And because of that, I think affected my sense of who I was and my confidence and my ability to be who I wanted to be because I was trying or I guess wanted to adhere to this traditional idea of masculinity and um, kind of, you know, I'm not that at least in my mind, you know, yeah, like I'm creative and I, I paint, I play music, I make jewelry, all of these things that like don't conform to that traditional masculine sense. Um, But growing up, I had to suppress that 
at least in my mind, you know, like I never explored these different roots of what I feel like are now such an essential part of me because I feel like it wasn't culturally accepted. Mm -hmm. And so as I've grown into my adult life and kind of been able to recognize these different things in my life, I have decided to explore that a lot more. You know, like I got into painting and silversmithing, like when I was like 21, 22, like a lot older. And those were things that I probably never would have even considered. Um, if you like taken the other route of conforming to what society has said. Right, right. Yeah. Because I don't know, those are things that aren't like the traditional masculine mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah. So if it, if it wasn't explicitly bullying or telling you that you were wrong as a person, how did it manifest like in body language or passive aggressive comments? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily like direct bullying, maybe, you know, just like making like jokes or whatever. Mm. If I decide like in second or third grade or whatever that I want to play with like one of my friends who's a girl on the playground, like, you know, the other kids just start talking about that. Maybe never like directly addressing that to you. And even more of a sense, maybe, you know, just like in high school or whatever, I don't know, like you just get a feeling like other people like see that your actions aren't conforming to what they see as normal. And because of that, you can start to be like ostracized or seen as like the Mm -hmm. person that's very different. Um, And at least in my experience, like in the high school sense, I think because of that like societal thing that happened, I was able to find a group of friends who were a lot more accepting and open of that instead of, I guess, trying to maintain those friendships that now looking back for me were toxic. I was able to develop much deeper friendships with people who accepted me for who I am and not didn't hold me to that standard of, you know, like, Oh yeah, you have to be like playing sports and, you know, like only show anger, like that's the only <laughs> acceptable emotion. Like mm-hmm. you can't be anything else than what society is defined as manly. Yeah. Did it also manifest in like comparison, like comparing yourself to other boys or just to what society believes is manly? Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm super tall. I'm like six five. I've been like skinny my <laughs> whole life. You know, and so I think this is something that I feel like needs to be talked a lot more about in society also, because I feel like the idea of body image is very prevalent in empowering girls, like especially young girls, not to compare themselves to what they see in the media and everything. But I, at least again, in my opinion, I think boys and, you know, young kids are affected just as much as the girls are in this aspect. So, like, you know, if I would, like, look at myself in the mirror or whatever, and, you know, if I don't have, like, these big muscles, and if I'm not athletic and all of that, I think that definitely affected my self-confidence. Because, like, if you're not this ideal, then you're not, like, the true man or whatever. And because of that, then you are then less than. Yes. And so I think that affected my self-confidence a lot as I was younger, um, just because I was never, you know, that ideal. So I had to learn to accept myself for who I am, really care about my opinion of myself rather than what the media or the world tells me I should look like or be like. And so that's really what I've been trying to focus on, you know, the past few years is really just developing who I am, um, but like without regard to what the world thinks I should be. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I think it's the same when girls compare themselves to like the curvy big butt, big boobs, 
and men compare themselves to the muscular toned body. It's the same, like this ideal body that's unrealistic for everyone that just really does damage on your self-esteem. What about, um, cause you're really tall you're like six, six, right? Six, five, six, five. Yeah. I know you always get asked if you play basketball. (laughs) Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, like when people first meet me, usually like the first question is how tall are you? And then after that, do you play basketball? Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't, I've never been like athletic or very coordinated. And that probably just become like comes along with being like super tall and skinny or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've never really just been drawn to that at all. I mean, like I played baseball for like a year or two when I was in like second and third grade, but I never, you know, really liked it. And gratefully, at least for me, like my parents were accepting of that and let me just kind of develop and be who I wanted to be and let me pick and choose like my interests and what I wanted to do with my life instead of, I guess, pushing me towards that idea of what is a man, um, or what society thinks you should be based on like your height or your weight or what you Mm -hmm. look like or anything like that. So, yeah, that's so important. Okay. What are you personally doing in your own life now to break this toxicity? So I've been trying to just have like more open conversations about it, at least for me in my life when there have been different aspects about, um, you know, different mental health issues or social movements or anything like that. It like, it's very helpful for me to be for to see people to talk about it to be able to identify like this is happening to me or I have these incorrect ways of thinking. Yeah. And so I think the most important thing to do is like, if you see people acting in a way that is like toxic in any aspect, but specifically in reference to masculinity, like, I think sometimes it's hard not to act out of anger Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when people, you know, will say something like derogatory towards another guy for being emotional or in their eyes, what is feminine, it makes me like my gut reaction is to be angry about Mm -hmm. it and, you know, to be like, Hey, like, that's not okay. Um, So I've been making a conscious effort to, first of all, like when it happens, point it out, but don't get like aggressive about it. Don't have like that mentality of like, no, you're wrong. And like, kind of like an attack approach. Yeah, definitely don't attack. Just have like a more calm approach and be like, hey, like, I don't agree with what you just said. Like, I'm not angry about it, but I just want to have like a conversation, Mm -hmm. maybe understand why they feel or think that way and then explain where you're coming from. Yeah. I wouldn't say like necessarily tell them like, Hey, like you're wrong. Like what you just said or whatever that way, just be like that, like your comment, this is how it affected me. Mm -hmm. And I think this is how it affects other people around you when you say things like that. And I've had really good examples of that with like friends and even family members in my life where there were different things that I didn't realize. Like I had like a negative idea about until they pointed out something that I said that they're like, Hey, like, I don't think that's okay. Or like the way that you're thinking about that, I don't think is right. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So I think that's probably the most helpful, helpful thing um, in your conversations with other people to try to, you know, fix that moving forward. Yeah. I think that's the best way that everyone can make change, that it doesn't have to be this big global impact, but it starts with you. 
and calling it out in your daily life and starting conversations and educating. And that's how everyone can make their own impact. Right. And I think that goes a little bit back. You did a whole episode about, you know, silencing the inner people pleaser in you. Mm -hmm. You really have to get over that because a lot of the times these conversations that you're going to have with people are going to be very uncomfortable. Very. Very (laughs) uncomfortable. So you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? Say that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I've, you know, definitely seen it, so. Yeah. So if and when you have children, how do you plan on raising them without this toxic masculinity or kind of countering that? Mm-hmm. I think just encouraging them to, you know, pursue whatever they naturally like. Like as a child, I think it's okay for you to, you know, like buy like certain like toys or whatever um, for your children, like girls to play with dolls, boys to turn, play with trucks. But if like you start seeing that, you know, like, your child is leaning more towards a way of like what you don't see as traditionally masculine or even feminine, like give them that freedom to be able to figure out who they are. Like Mm -hmm. don't try and put them inside of a box of what they should be. Um, And it's really sad, at least in my mind to see parents, at least, you know, like out in public or whatever, if they have like their child that are a boy that's expressing emotion, like being like, why are you acting like a girl? Like stop crying. Like that's not okay. Or things like that. Um, Because like I said, that's putting them inside of like this box, this framework of how they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to act. And I think that encourages a lot of suppression of emotions and that's just really not healthy, at least for, you know, children and going up into teenage years and being adults. I think just the most important thing is raising emotionally healthy children in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have kids of my own or anything like this, so it definitely could change as a parent. Yeah. But moving forward, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. Yeah, I really like that. I feel like the suppression of emotions is really big with toxic masculinity. Like that's one of the first things I think of. And so a couple of things, I think when raising boys, not forcing them to go into sports, like not letting them quit if they don't like it. I think that's a big thing that I've seen. And then, yeah, the emotional part, like not punishing them for having emotions. Like, because adolescence, it's such a sensitive period and you make a big imprint on them and can make or break their future. And so I think it's like not creating these beliefs that certain emotions are bad, but that they can have a variety of emotions on their palate and like that's okay to feel them and express them in whatever way that manifests for them right and I've kind of seen examples of relationships I've had in my life you know like with other people where I feel like like this idea of toxic masculinity has really really affected like their mental health in extreme Mm -hmm. ways I've seen guys where their identity is linked to their ability to you know like play basketball and their physique Mm -hmm. like they get so obsessed with being the best like if they are not the biggest the strongest the best at what they do in that way then they are not worthy Mm -hmm. you know like they're seen as less than yeah like their self-worth is linked so much to these external factors that it has become like an unhealthy obsession for them to continue on with that. And I think that's because of like these societal norms that are placed on them, whether that's by their family or by friends or whatever. 
Um, but I've seen like the negative emotional consequences because of that. Um, you know, like some people are taught not to express that emotion. And because of that, like they only express anger. Like that's the way that they deal with difficult situations, like confrontation, they immediately turn to anger. But then once you kind of break down that wall and have more conversations with them, you see that they actually are deep and emotional people. They just do not feel comfortable or confident expressing that because it's not seen as something that's masculine. Yeah. So that's something that, I mean, like I've had like people that I know personally that that happens with. And it's just really sad for me to see how negatively that's affected them, even though they don't, I don't think a lot of times they realize it. Yeah. And because of that, they're also perpetuating, perpetuating toxic masculinity also. On other people, yeah. Well, when your identity is so wrapped up in your external things, like your ability to play sports or your muscular attributes when that's taken away when you get older and you can no longer physically play sports or you you're you have the dad bod like you have no sense of self and that's taken away from you so when that is all you have that that's very risky it's a slippery slope right and I've also seen like you know and I hate to be like, keep on going back to the sports analogy, but I feel like that's one that's very easy to see in our society. Like I've had friends and people that I know where they were so wrapped up, you know, in being like a basketball player Uh or volleyball player or a baseball player that they get like, you know, career ending injuries or something like that to Mm. where they can no longer be active in that sport. But that's become so much a part of who they are that then they go into depression because of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's just very important. I'm not saying like it's bad to identify as somebody who plays basketball or baseball or is really, you know, into physical fitness and bodybuilding or anything like that. But I think if that's your sole source of like who you are as a person and that's where you draw your value from is a very negative idea. So Mm -hmm. I think just becoming like a well-rounded person and having multiple interests and hobbies of where you, you know, identify like this is who I am is very important because there are, you know, there are things that can, can end that for you. And yeah. That can be very sad. So. I've, I've seen that in friendships in my life and it's so heartbreaking. So going back to the anger and the emotions thing, when you suppress your emotions and when you just shove them down and try to numb from them, the thing is like you can never outrun your emotions. So it builds up and it boils up and then it manifests in anger or you act out in different ways in your life or in your relationships in negative ways and it affects everything. So when you're suppressing your emotions all the time and you're not actually acknowledging them and like identifying them and feeling them and then they just, you're never, they're never going to go away. Mm -hmm. Even if you are scared to feel them, they're always going to be there. Right. It's like, I don't know, I just had like this analogy come to mind. It's like you're boiling a pot of water on the stove. Mm-hmm. Like if you just put a lid on it or whatever, like the steam is going to find a way to escape. Yeah. Or if you like put like a big seal on it or whatever, like it's eventually going to pop. Like yeah. things are going to explode. It's all going to come out. And so, yeah, I think it's very important to, again, learn how to express your emotions in a healthy way. Because I've definitely like, I learned, or at least like, 
that's how I was as a teenager, you know, like don't express like what you're feeling. But that was such a negative thing for me because then I learned to, or maybe not learned, but it it did boil over, you Mm -hmm. know, like whether that was like weeks or months of like suppressing what I was feeling, eventually it would come out in a very negative and harmful way. Yeah. So what is it like being a man that suffers with mental health issues in society? Wow. (laughs) It's a loaded question. (laughs) No, it really is. And I think it's been, it's been a very hard experience for me. Um, So, I mean, I've opened up to friends and family that I've been to therapy. I started um, going to therapists when I was a teenager. And then even now I've recently. Backtrack. When I started therapy, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if my dad told you or something that I was considering going to therapy so you called me or something and you're like I went to therapy as a teenager and it really helped and you shared your experience with me and then when I had um shared that with my parents like my dad was shocked he had no idea that like you experienced that as a teenager yourself and was going through what I was going through in a similar sense and that you had seen a therapist and so yeah keep going. <laughs> no, yeah. And for, for a really long time, you know, like I didn't talk to most of my family members about that. I didn't talk to my friends about that. I didn't open up to anybody. Yeah. I think that was really, really isolating because of that stigma that society, you know, has about therapy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like your whole episode about therapy was like super good. You know, like I think I'm also the opinion that everybody would benefit yes. from seeing a therapist. Like it's just so good and helpful to be able to externalize like your thoughts and your feelings and have somebody there that's not going to judge you for that like mm-hmm. and help you work through that. And uh, I mean, it's also vulnerability in like, you know, therapy, but especially in relationships, I think is so important to really like growing deep connections. So that's something that I've had to learn um, as I've grown, you know, like, like before when I was a teenager, like I didn't tell anybody, like Mm -hmm. none of my friends knew that I had like most of these struggles that I was going through. None of like, none of them knew that I was seeing a therapist or anything like that. And when I told them, they're like, I had no idea. And, but that really opened up conversations. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, like when I found out that you were looking into that and going to be starting that, having that conversation of talking about like, Hey, I've also been through this. Like, this is something that really helped me. And just, you know, having somebody to talk to and identify with. Yeah. And I think it's a lot more common than we think, you know, like at least as I've gone through my life and had these conversations with people, if I open up and talk about my mental health struggles and, you know, like even going to therapy and things, I've been amazed at how many people are just loving first off about it. And then second off, also shared their similar struggles that mm-hmm. they've had. I think it's so pervasive in society that we put up this front of that, you know, everything's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but underneath, <laughs> underneath, there's so much going on that we have no idea about. And so, yeah, that's, but it's been really hard for me, you know, as a male, um, bringing up those conversations or having you know, just talking with friends about the struggles that I've had. Like I said, as a teenager, it was, you know, like that scared me to death. Like that was the last thing that I wanted other people to, to see or know, because again, I felt weak because of it. I felt like something was wrong with me, that people were going to judge me. Yeah. Um, 
but that's like the complete opposite of how it should be. You know, I feel like people should be commended for seeking out professional help for these mental health issues that they have instead of suppressing yeah. that and just like putting it, trying to put it behind them. That doesn't help Mm-mm. bringing it to the forefront and having those conversations that need to happen. I think are the most important things. So I have mad respect for anyone in therapy. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. but I also think that isolation and shame are the very opposite of connection. I don't think they can coexist. So when you are not telling anyone what you're actually dealing with, what you're actually feeling and you're isolated in this, these stigmas of mental health issues and therapy, you, you have these best friends and family members that you're supposedly close to, but they have no idea like really these details of your life. And so when you share that, you have this deeper connection with them. So I've, I've seen that in my life. So, yeah, I think that idea of like shame and everything in reference to therapy is very like just culturally wide, but specifically with males going Mm -hmm. back to that expression of emotion is seen as weakness a lot of times. And, you know, if people say or feel like they, they need help, they may not reach out or do that because of these societal norms. Like, it's not okay for men to cry. Yeah. It's not okay to, you know, like have these struggles. It's not okay to seek out help. Like you should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. and figure it out, like man up. And yeah, that idea for me, phrases. it's, it's the worst. And, but like, I've heard like people in my life say that. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, when you do bring up these conversations about mental health, there are people that, one, either haven't experienced it in their own life and so they have, like, this negative idea or, like, they're like, you know, why can't people just figure it out? Yeah. Yeah. But I think everybody struggles with things. A lot of people are just in denial about it. So (laughs) when you try and have those conversations and you try and be vulnerable with them, sometimes you are, you know, confronted with somebody that doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't think it's, like, something that's helpful or, you know, exists. But yeah. I think, yeah, it's just important to not get discouraged by that, to just keep on moving forward and having conversations that need to happen about mental health and your struggles and trying to grow those deeper connections with your relationships. Yeah. And even if you have that negative reaction from someone, that it it doesn't reflect on you, but it reflects on them, that they're struggling with something and it's just a scary topic. And so I think the conversations of, just sharing. And if you are vulnerable first, if you share your own struggles, that that might be the saving grace for someone else, that they just needed to hear that. They needed to know that they weren't alone. And I, th- I just think that's so important. Right. I feel like a lot of times if you do like confront somebody, if there's any sort of confrontation, like the immediate response is like fight or flight, you know, I don't want to talk about this or I'm going to get angry about this. Mm -hmm. So I think it is very important, (laughs) at least in terms of like mental health struggles and everything. If you do have experience with that, to open up with your experience, Mm -hmm. how things have helped you, like, you know, the struggles you've had. And I think that opens up a better conversation. If somebody else is struggling or going through that to first like recognize, it in themselves and then be comfortable talking with you about it because you know it does give them somebody to identify with even Uh if your struggles aren't the exact same it's very helpful to know you know that all these other people walking around you your friends and your family like have these struggles that they're they're not the perfect face that they probably put on a lot of times Mm -hmm. 
Well, instead of, like, I think a good approach, if you see someone in your life struggling or you might suspect that they have these mental health issues, not going to them and asking that or, like, kind of attacking, like, you have this, you need help, Mm -hmm. but rather, like, sharing from personal experience, just sharing your stuff. Mm -hmm. And that opens their eyes. Maybe if it doesn't happen immediately, it will, like it will stick with them. It will plant a seed. And so I think that's a better way to go about it. Right. I think opening up with that vulnerability and if it is somewhere, someone that you feel like you need to have like a direct conversation with open with, this is my experience. You know, these are the things that I've felt and that I've experienced and through my, my journey. And because of that, like I maybe have seen things in your life or things that are happening with you that I'm worried about that I want to talk about and be, you know, just open and loving and caring about that. And hopefully they, you know, if you, you think that is a conversation that needs to happen, that they'll open up and talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you tell your younger self? Oh, absolutely. I think just like, don't care what other people think, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like live your life for you. Mm -hmm. I think so much of what I am now has been like that idea of don't care what, you know, other people around you say, like, I definitely like received negative backlash. Like I grew my hair out for like two years or whatever. (laughs) Um, I loved it. So yeah, I had like super long hair and I would have like other guys and stuff like make comments of like, oh, you know, like, yeah, when you, when you cutting your hair mm-hmm. like, or I don't know, you know, it's just not like masculine to have hair to your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or like when I first started like watercolor painting, like I literally had a friend be like, why are you painting flowers? Like, did you paint something more manly? I'm like, I can paint flowers if I want to. <laughs> Gosh, leave me alone. <laughs> you know? Um, So yeah, just don't care what people think, you know, if you do come up against that negative backlash, I think it's an opportunity to have, you know, those conversations to try and help them realize where their thinking may be, may be skewed, may be very negative and harmful for other people. Yeah. Um, So yeah, just live your life for who you are, who you want to be. And, you know, honestly, don't care. You shouldn't care what other people think. So I think like deep rooted and humans in general we're always going to care what people think it's always going to sting a little bit it's always going to hurt but I think the turning point is like what you do with that because you're gonna you're gonna have those doubts or those voices in your head come in when other people you have negative reactions you're gonna care a little bit but what you do going forward like how you like retrain your brain to think differently and how you react to it kind of like this isn't about me this is about them like it's it doesn't reflect on me it's their stuff like return to sender Mm. so just kind of your reaction to that hint of caring right and I think also like it's important to like you said we're always going to have those comparisons we're always going to care Mm -hmm. what people think um, I think that can be helpful in like some circumstances. Yeah. I mean, like some days there's days I wake up, I'm like, I don't want to shower. I don't want to get ready. But, <laughs> you know, like I, I probably should to go to work. So I'm yeah. just not like all gross or whatever. <laughs> and that's probably because I'm like, you know, I care what people think about yeah. my, my appearance or whatever that day. So there are definitely like good things that come from these expectations, but also, you know, like don't, you just need to live for yourself sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not 
living your life based off other people's opinions or expectations of you Mm -hmm. or what society views as normal or okay. Right. So what do you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Like what, what do you have to say to those guys listening or parents? I mean, I hope there are things that you can take away from this, but I think really the biggest thing is just make small changes if, if needed, Uh you know, like, like I had kind of said before, there have been times in my life where I've had friends and family point out like negative thinking or negative like expressions uh-huh. um, or ideals that I've had in my life. And they've been the brave ones to bring up and be like, hey, like that's, that's not okay yeah. and talk about it. Yeah. So I think that is like my biggest invitation to people. If you do spot these different things with to- toxic masculinity within your friends or the people around you, like try and have those conversations and talk about how it's affected you and how that affects other people. Yeah. I think that's the strongest way to kind of help them realize instead of just getting angry and saying like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Be like, this is how it's affecting me. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why, um, I mean, at the end of every episode, Whitley always shares a song. Mm-hmm. And so she asked me to think of one um, that I that I have. Um, but at least in my mind, it talks a lot about the relationships that we have and the growth that we can experience in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the growth that we can have together as we work towards a mutual goal. Because there are always things that we need to be learning and doing better. And so, yeah. What's it called? So it's called Grow As We Go by Ben Platt. He's, he just released like his first album. He was, yeah, super good. (laughs) He was on Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. So that's kind of where he got his start. But now he kind of did like a pop album, but it's pretty good. So read the lyrics for us. Okay. I think this is the first time you haven't, you haven't read the lyrics at the end. I know. (laughs) You're special. (laughs) Okay, here we go. You say there's so much you don't know, you need to go and find yourself. You say you'd rather be alone because you think you won't find it tied to someone else. Oh, who said it's true that growing only happens on your own? They don't know me and you. I don't think you have to leave if to change is what you need. You can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows. You can ebb and I can flow. And we'll take it slow and grow as we go grow as we go you won't be the only one i am unfinished i've got so much left to learn i don't know how this river runs but i liked the company through every twist and turn oh who said it's true that the growing only happens on your own they don't know me and you you don't ever have to leave if to change is what you need you can change right next to me when you're high i'll take the lows you can ebb and i can flow and we'll take it slow and grow as we go. Grow as we go. Grow as we go. Grow as we go. I don't know who will become. I can't promise it's not written in the stars. But I believe that when it's done, we're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave, because if change is what you need, you can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows. You can ebb and I can flow. And I'll take it slow. And we'll take it slow. And grow as we go, grow as we go, grow as we go. That's really good. I can't wait to listen. (laughs) Just so you guys know, most of the songs at the end of my episodes come from Spencer. (laughs) Yeah, like she said at the beginning, you know, we we swap music preferences. He's the source of my good music. (laughs) So I wanted to end actually by telling you something. Actually, two things. One, 
I have really struggled with the male population. As most know, I was in an abusive relationship, but outside of that, I have continuously been abused and betrayed by men in my life, causing a lot of trauma and like mistrust in men as a whole. The after effects of the abuse has bled into my relationships and different instances in my life in a negative way. So anyway, as I have worked through this deep-rooted weariness of the male gender, my therapist has told me to cling to the men in my life that are good examples of amazing men that I want to surround myself with and hopefully one day be in a relationship with. So aside from my own dad, the first person on my list was you because I think you're the epitome of a gentle, loving, understanding guy, one who listens and loves, one who is working on himself for himself and striving to be his best every day, one who respects, supports, and praises the females in his life. So I just, that gives me a lot of hope. And when I'm like struggling with the male population or just like anger towards them I just need to like refocus on the good men that are good examples so thank you for that and then I just wanted to thank you for showing me what it means to be a real man but then the second thing when I was writing down the examples of men in my life and what they portrayed as I pondered your role and character I came to the realization that I have never once heard you say a bad word about another human being. When it's so easy to judge and criticize, make fun and gossip, especially at family reunions or big group settings, you never contribute and go along with the crowd. And I just really admire and respect you for that. So thank you for being that example in my life, as well as coming on the podcast. You're the best. (laughs) It was a good time. (laughs) I'm so glad that you had me. And I feel like we kind of have to talk about like how this came about. I mean, Whitley shared on her Instagram story a video that I had seen like a week before Uh um, by the page Strong is the New Pretty. Uh Um, They just recently released a book called Heart of a Boy. And they had a video about that. And like I watched it and I felt like so strongly about the message that it was showing. But yeah, it kind of talks about like this idea of toxic masculinity, um, especially in regards to to raising children yeah and I felt like I was like I need to talk to Whitley about this like this is a conversation <laughs> that I feel a lot about and then she posted it on her Instagram story and I messaged her and I was like I have been like wanting to talk to you about this and she was like oh my gosh like me too like when I saw this I was like yeah Spencer somebody that that would want to talk about this too yeah so. it was on my to-do list to call you and then you reached out and I was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> it was just perfect so. yeah so I'll sh- I'll link that song and then that video in the show notes below So thank you for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.